Welcome to the letter to Philippi Live. This is our daily broadcast as we look at Paul's letter to Philippi, the letter to the Philippians. And today we continue going through the Messianic hymn, the hymn to Messiah, in chapter 2. We'll be looking today at verse 9, the second beginning of the second half of the Messianic hymn. As we said before in earlier, earlier times together, the Messianic hymn in this chapter Verses 6 through 11 of Philippians 2 is referred to as the hymn of the Messiah, the Messianic hymn. This being what we, what we can understand as one of the, the earliest Messianic Jewish pieces of liturgy or a Messianic praise song 1900 years before, before the liberated Wailing Wall and Lamb and others came along to write Messianic hymns, the Messianic praise songs. We have this here from the middle of the first century around at least at least by the by 60 of the common era of the first century halfway through the first century we have this song this hymn show, giving honor to yeshua as the messiah and a part of the the ritual life the the prayer life the the worship life of the messianic community as believed this was was composed in the Messianic community in Jerusalem, and Paul here is translating into Greek for his hearers in Philippi. So today we'll be looking at, at verse 9. So far we've been looking at the, the humble entry of Messiah Yeshua into our world, and his, his humble coming to his world, his, his willingness to, to sacrifice his, his life, lay down his life for atonement. And we've seen his humiliation We've seen his degradation, and now we're coming to the point of we're looking toward his exaltation at the final day when he returns to rule and reign as King Messiah, Mashiach ben David. And we look forward to that day. And this now, as we've seen his humble entry into the world, his willingness to live a life of humility and suffering, to die the death on the Roman cross, we now come to verse 9 where we look to, after his, his, at his death, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, and now we look to his exaltation in heaven as preliminary to his, his return to rule and reign as King Messiah, Mashiach ben David, this, the Savior of the world, the, the Jewish Messiah, who's also the cosmic Lord of all. And we look, we'll be looking at, at uh, verse 9 of chapter 2. We'll read that here as we get started. So this is verse 9 of chapter 2 of Philippians, which reads, Therefore God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. Let me read that again. Therefore God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. So first we begin, with, we begin looking at this verse with the phrase, raised to the highest place. In this verse, Paul uses the word, Greek word hyper-ipsosin, hyper which means super-exalted or hyper-exalted, according to to Sanders in his, his book on, on 
the apostle, apostle Paul. Paul here was showing that after his life and death as a slave on earth, Yeshua did not just return to his previous place of exaltation in heaven as the divine son, but he returned to a higher level of exaltation, the place of lordship over the whole created order, as will be seen in verse 10. Yeshua, who had been hyper, who had been hyper degraded, who had been super degraded, would become the one who is now super exalted. As the Messianic hymn seeks to teach Yeshua's Yeshua-like humility, it demonstrates that the exaltation of Yeshua was the outcome of his great acts of humility, especially his self-sacrificial death on the Roman stake. In Targum Jonathan on Isaiah 53.10, we see the exaltation and rewarding with the spoils of the nations given to the Messiah because of his willingness to suffer death on behalf of the divine plan and for the forgiveness of sins we read. This is from the Targum, Targum Jonathan on Isaiah 53.10, an a Aramaic, Aramaic tr translation, Aramaic dynamic translation of the Hebrew Bible. We read, Then I will apportion to him the spoil of great nations, and he shall divide his spoil, the wealth of mighty cities, because he was ready to suffer martyrdom, that the rebellious he might subjugate to the Torah, and he shall seek pardon for the sins of many, and for his sake the rebellious shall be forgiven. Let me read that again. Then I will apportion to him the spoil of great nations, and he shall divide as spoil the wealth of mighty cities, because he is ready to suffer martyrdom, that the rebellious he might subjugate to the Torah, and he shall seek pardon for the sins of many, and for his sake the rebellious shall be forgiven. It was this act of supreme humility that formed the basis from which Yeshua demonstrated his worthiness to exaltation to the highest place. Moreover, this exaltation of Yeshua represents the highest place of authority, which reflects Daniel's prophecy of the end of days in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13, 14, where the Son of Man, Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, is granted eternal universal rulership by the Ancient of Days. The first, first we look at the first looking at this verse, we see the the exaltation of Yeshua that 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 because of his willingness to humbly enter our world, his willingness to suffer and die on the Roman cross, and he and from there he would rose from the dead and was was ascended to heaven. And, and returned to his place of glory, he was exalted even higher, as they said, the word is super exalted, that his, that his place now, as, as his fulfilling of his, of his work as Mashiach ben David, as the suffering Messiah, guaranteed that he now stood to return one day as Mashiach ben David, as the ruling Messiah, the King Messiah who would rule over all, all the universe, both seen and unseen, both the physical and the spiritual world. Next, we come to the phrase, the name above every name. And speaking of the name above every name, Dr. David H. Stern commented, 
Since God himself tr transcends human limits, it is not surprising that his nature cannot be expressed fully by the normal use of language. The fact that God transcends human limitation means that he exceeds what language can convey about him. Read that again. This is from Dr. Stern's commentary, the Jewish New Testament commentary. Since God himself transcends human limits, it is not surprising that his nature cannot be expressed fully by the normal use of a language. The fact that God transcends human limitation means that he exceeds what language can convey about him. So we see from, from Dr. Stern's understanding of this, of this passage, we're talking about the name above all names that, that we're, we're speaking of, of that, that the majesty of God, the majesty of, of our Messiah is so great and so beyond our ability to understand as, as, as mere humans that even speaking of what the name of the God of Israel is, is trying to, to put into, into our language, we are limited. And we can just, we can just try to, to speak about, about the greatness of our God, of the greatness of our King Messiah. And it's beyond our, our use of words. We, and he sees that, that Paul here, in using the phrase, the name above all names, is, is making clear that, that the name of Yeshua the name of the one God of Israel is so great that it's beyond even what we can say. But the best we can say is this the name above all names, that there is no greater name than the name of the one God of Israel, which we see here is attributed to Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, as the one who is the Redeemer, the one who is who, who was the one to be Meshach ben David, and the one who's, who has fulfilled the role of Meshach. Ben Yosef, the one who would suffer and die. Scholars debate what Paul meant by the name above every name. There are two possibilities that we can look at that prevailed. One, his birth name is Shua. That it was the name above all name was his name Yeshua. His name that he, he was given while he was in this world was the name above all names. The other possibility is that the name above all names is the Tetragrammaton, the Yudhe the unspoken name of the one God of Israel. Our first possibility we're looking at is that, that the name of all names is Yeshua, name that he was given by the angel, when the angel spoke to Miriam, his mother, the name that he was given at his Brit Malah, the name Yeshua. The first possibility for Paul's name above every name points to the human name of the Messiah, Yeshua. Though Yeshua was a popular name during the first century for many males, scholars who favor this name as the name above every name back up their claim by often citing the divine biblical message through the angel who had visited Yeshua's mother, Miriam, which we read about at Yeshua's Brit Malah, his circumcision, in Luke 2.21, which we read, on the eighth day, when it was time for his Barit Malah, he was given the name Yeshua, which was what the angel had called him before his conception. Biblical scholar Mold asserted that the name Yeshua is the name above every name because it was the human name the Messiah was known by in the incarnation, in his time living in our world, and the name he bore in his self-emptying self-sacrifice on the Roman cross. 
the formerly common human name Yeshua is now exalted, like the risen Yeshua himself is now exalted. Mole put forward that the common name Yeshua, which was which was a familiar name at, at that day, that there were there were thousands, tens of thousands of Yeshuas running around around Israel at that time. But now he says that the name Yeshua is exalted to be the name of all names because of the work of the Messiah, because of his bearing that name in his life, in his humble life on earth, his willingness to, to bear that name as, as a servant, as a one who was, was to go to the Roman stake, to the cross for the sake of atonement, that in Yeshua's life and his sacrifice, that the name Yeshua, which was a common name, became became exalted because of the of Yeshua bearing it in his life on earth. As because the Messiah was called Yeshua, the name Yeshua was exalted to the highest place. And thus and thus has become the name of all names is Yeshua, the name the Messiah bore in this world. The divine Yeshua came to the world as a servant through his sacrifice, turned the common name Yeshua into one to which all creation will one day bow and acknowledge of the lordship of the bearer. We can see expanded version of the above points in this progression from biblical scholar Matyar, where he says, God in verse six, then second, a Yeshua who without ceasing to be truly and fully God became truly man, verse seven. Furthermore, experienced death, in particular, a death of shame and rejection on a cross, verse 8. From beginning to end, there was continuity of person, where it was Messiah Yeshua, verse 5, who was in the form of God, just as the other end of the process, it was Yeshua, verse 10, who received the name above all names, verse 9, to whom every tongue will confess, in verse 11. So one possibility of the name above all names we can see here is the name Yeshua, the name, the, the, the common name that Yeshua bore in his human life, in his human life, by him being the bearer of it, in his life as the, the suffering servant, as the Mashiach ben Yosef, as the one to, to bring atonement by his death. The common name Yeshua was exalted to the place to be the name above all names. But at the end of time, it will be the name Yeshua to which all the created order, both seen and unseen, both the in the heavenlies on earth and in the underworld, will acknowledge that Yeshua is the one who has the right to rule and reign over all creation. And every knee will bow to the name of Yeshua. The second possibility for the name above all names is the Tetragrammaton. The Yud Hey Vav Hey, the unspoken name of the one God of Israel. Arkin Solon, who is a biblical scholar from Emory University, suggested that in the Jewish context of Paul's writing, the name above every name was the Tetragrammaton, the unspoken name of the one God of Israel. Let's read it again. Arkin Solon, who's a who is a uh, biblical scholar on from Emory University, wrote this, our Kindle, that he said, Solon suggested that in the Jewish context of Paul's writing, 
the name of every name was the Tetragrammaton and spoken name of the one God of Israel. The Solon says that in the context of, of Paul's writing, especially in this Messianic hymn, that the name of all, above all names will be the, the name, the unspoken name of the God of Israel, commonly known as the Tetragrammaton, which is a Greek word meaning consisting of four letters, of which we have yud he vav he in Hebrew, or you, you will see C-H-Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H in Latin script to be a, a holder for this, this unspoken name that in, in Jewish tradition, the, the proper name of God, this unspoken name of God was only, only to be spoken once a year by the high priest and by Jewish tradition, the name was not to be spoken. And now without the, te the temple, without the, the, the high holiday ritual in the, in the holy temple, there is no longer that, that opening for the pronunciation of the name. So it is just referred to as the Tetragrammaton or the Yutevave or the YHWH or YHVH in our English script, Latin script. Is the four-name biblical name of the one God of Israel, the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. Such a view upholds the highest form of Christology, declaring Yeshua's place within the one God of Israel, consistent with the Tanakh. So in understanding the name above all name, as, as the Yutevave, as the unspoken name of God, the Tetragrammaton, this puts forward what we call the highest form of Christology, the highest understanding of the divine nature of the Messiah is seen here in Yeshua, bearing the very name of the one God of Israel. The Tetragrammaton, the unspoken name of the God of Israel, is given to Yeshua. Yeshua bears the name of the one God of Israel. And in that, and there is only one God, that he is, is exalted here in this hymn as the one God of Israel had come into our world. And Solon continues to write, write, Paul identifies the first person of the Trinity as the one who gives the divine name. The second person is the one who receives it. And the third person is the one who awakens his acknowledgement and glorification. While the text is not explicitly mentioned in the Holy Spirit, the Barak Hadesh, the Spirit's activity is implied by the universal acclamation of Yeshua's Lord which Paul elsewhere says is possible only as the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God. And that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, where he says that you, you can only say Yeshua's Lord through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of the Ruach Hodesh. Only through the Ruach Hodesh can you, can you uh, say Yeshua's Lord. So though in this passage we just see, we see the, we see the, the Father, the first person of the, of the triune God, and the second person, Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, the third person, the Ruach Hodesh, the Spirit of God, is implied in that, and that, as we said, you cannot, you cannot acknowledge Yeshua as Lord without the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Ruach Hodesh gives you that, that power to empowerment to acknowledge Yeshua as Lord. I will see in verse 10 and 11, which we'll be looking at next week, the bearer of the name of every name, Yeshua the Messiah, 
will receive universal acknowledgement and worship as the sovereign ruler of all creation. For a Jew such as Paul, this universal worship would belong only to the one God of Israel, who is the sole one worthy to bear the tetragrammaton, the unspoken name of the one God of Israel. Therefore, we see that this name of every name must be the divine name. Because there is only one God, and Paul is a, as a as a devout, observant Jew would know that there is only one God and only one to bear the name of the one God of Israel. So in this, in this acknowledgement that the divine name has been given to Yeshua, we see which was called technically a high, highest form of Christology, an understanding that Paul is putting forward that Yeshua is one with the one God of Israel. The Messiah has, has taken on that name as we as we see in Daniel 7 13 and 7 13 and 14 where we have have the picture of the of the ancient of days granting rulership to to the son of man this here we see in the the messianic camp here that there's a clear understanding of Yeshua being the one to bear the divine name and in the context as 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 Solon says we can only understand this that, that speaking of the one to bear the name of all names, the name of all names would be the unspoken name of God, the Tetragrammaton, that here in Yeshua is the one, is the name Yeshua was given, was the divine name, and he is the one to receive worship as, as one with the one God of Israel. Biblical scholar in N.T. Wright saw a definite connection between Yeshua as Messiah and also being Kurios, the Lord. Coming from the ancient Greek word Kurios, or Kyrios, which means Lord or Master, which appears 740 times in the Brichat Shah and usually refers to Yeshua. In addition, Wright asserted Yeshua's direct reference to the one God of Israel. In, his, in which he wrote, in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, if Yeshua had, has now been exalted to share the very throne of God, the God who, as Isaiah 45 declares, will not share his glory with another, then this Yeshua must have been from all eternity, somehow or other, equal with God. So Wright also concurs with, with Solon, and, and I, I will concur with, with him too, that the name above all names is the name of the one God of Israel, that Yeshua here is now sharing in the name of the one God of Israel. He, he is the he will be the one at the end of days. So we'll be looking at at our next time together as we look at verses ten and eleven. Will be the one to which every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge, and that will be that will be to the honor of the God of Israel, to the to the glory of God the Father. But Yeshua is the one. In this we see. The union of of the Father, the 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 God, the God of the Tanakh, Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, and the the Spirit of God, the Ruach Hodesh, coming together as as one in this understanding of this of this hymn, that Yeshua, as the bearer of the divine name, is one with the one God of Israel. And we, as we, we're looking at verses ten through eleven, ten to eleven to conclude the hymn, we'll look at that on Monday. We will see the, that 
this name above all names that Yeshua bears will be acknowledged by all, both both in the seen and unseen world, will one day, and that may that day come soon, that we will see that the the beginning of the unending reign of Messiah, the unending life of the world to come when Yeshua returns to take his place as Kurios Kurion, the Lord of, of Lords, his place as the divine Messiah and his place as the Lord of all creation. And may that day come soon. So today we looked at, at the at the ninth verse of chapter two of the Messianic hymn, looking specifically, specifically at the what is the name of every name to which all creation will one day acknowledge. As I said, we have some scholars who believe that it is the, the common name Yeshua, the name Yeshua born bore in this world, that by his sacrificial life, his sacrificial death, that the name Yeshua was exalted to the highest place. And that will be the name to which, which has become the name of all names. The, that the common name Yeshua has now become the grand name to which all the created order will one day acknowledge and bow. And we also see the other scholars, which I, I lean more toward, including Solon and Wright, who, who look at the divine name being the Yutevave, the Tetragrammaton, the unspoken name of the one God of Israel. Also, as I said, in, in Latin script, YHWH or YHVH, the unspoken name of the God of Israel is only spoken once a year by the high priest on Yom Kippur. That, the, that this name that God revealed to, to Moses at the burning bush is the name that, that Yeshua now bears. It will be the name to which all knees will bow. So we'll actually see, see that continuing of, of now he's been granted the name above all names that, that uh, we'll see our next time together in verses 10 and 11. We will get to that point of the honoring of the name of Yeshua and the bowing of all names before him as the one Lord of all creation, that he will be the be seen and acknowledged by all that have ever lived, both in, in the seen, seen world and the unseen world, those spiritual be, beings and the physical beings, everything that has been created will acknowledge the Messiahship of Yeshua and the eternal Lordship of Yeshua. And we'll look at that our next time together on Monday. So. Look forward to that as we continue our study through the Messianic hymn and through Paul's letter to Philippi. So thank you for watching today. And my name is Sean Imsley. I'm the, the founder of, Mess, of, uh, of Letter to Philippi, a new Messianic Jewish theological teaching organization. And I'm the teacher of this class. And uh, if you want more information about Letter to Philippi, go to lettertophilippi.org, lettertophilippi.org. There you can ask any questions you have for us. You can leave a prayer request. You can watch past class videos. We have, we're posting videos as, as we are making them. And you can watch past videos if you missed any of these classes to this point. Wanted to catch up to where we are now in Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. You can purchase a copy of my Messianic Commentary in Philippians, which is the basis for this class. You can make a much-needed financial contribution to our work as we this year and look forward to 2022. We truly would appreciate those who support our work as we're in an independent organization, not supported by any, any major organization. We're 
dependent on the gifts of those who who watch our classes, who read our books, and we really would would ask you to consider making a one-time or even better an ongoing contribution to the work of Letter to Philippi. We are a California nonprofit organization and look forward to having you make an, a Hanukkah gift to our work. So again, if you have any questions, you, you want to leave a prayer request, anything you want to know about, about uh, Letter to Philippi, you can find it at our website, lettertophilippi.org. And I will wish those who are celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, as we will be, be lighting lighting one more candle tonight, moving toward toward the uh, the ending of the of the celebration. I I believe that this will be the sixth candle tonight. We'll be light our, lighting our sixth candle tonight, and uh, have my my menorah ready for that. And uh, so, and we're also also entering into Shabbat for for those who are in the Pacific and Eastern time zone. We are still yet to enter Shabbat. Our family and friends in Jerusalem are already the, already celebrating Shabbat and already into the sixth night of Hanukkah. So uh, we will be starting both 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 at sundown today with both the sixth night of Hanukkah and the beginning of the of Shabbos. So Shabbat Shalom, Hanukkah Sameach, and see you on Monday as we continue looking at at the, the Messianic hymn, Philippians 2, 10 through 11, here on Lettered Philippi Live an initiative of letteredphilippi.org, a new Messian Jewish theological teaching organization, which I'm the founder and teacher. Thank you for watching. Have a good day and blessed Shabbos and, and uh, happy Hanukkah. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be into the, the eighth day of Hanukkah when we come back on Monday. So Shabbat Shalom, Hanukkah Sameach. Thank you for watching. And again, if you have any questions, go to letteredphilippi.org. Shalom.